stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, so look, nobody wanted this court ruling and obvious, well, let's put it another way. Uh, proponents of this pipeline didn't want this court ruling and maybe weren't expecting this court ruling late last month. And regardless of who the government of the day is, we, we do have to deal with it. Now, dealing with it can mean different things. Uh, that can mean uh, an appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada, for example. Uh, that can mean, in part, what we saw today, where the federal government is going to go back and redo that NEB review process, or at least part of the process, that the court found was lacking. It's likely going to mean then engaging in some meaningful consultation with First Nations in order to satisfy that requirement. But does it seem like all options are on the table? And are there some important components to, to all of this that are being overlooked here? So I want to get a better sense of kind of where we're at, where this all goes from here. I want to bring back to the conversation uh, Dwight Newman, Professor of Law, Canada Research Chair in Indigenous Rights and Constitutional and International Law at the University of Saskatchewan, among senior fellow in constitutional law with the Macdonald Laurier Institute. Professor Newman, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon. I'm happy to be with you. Um, I mean, any surprises here today in terms of what, what the government has laid out and I guess what we're, we're still waiting to find out more on? Uh, well, I'm actually a little surprised that we are waiting to hear uh, more because uh, I thought they might come forward with a, uh, a complete plan all at once. And uh, we're seeing uh, half a plan. Well, or even a third of a plan, depending on depending how you count it. Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, we're seeing a response to um, the NEB process issue raised within the uh, the Supreme or the Federal Court of Appeal judgment, Um, and we're not seeing yet uh, what the federal government is intending to do on Indigenous consultation, which was also an issue out of that judgment. And so, uh, I just uh, I thought they might come forward with everything at once, Mm -hmm. but clearly they're announcing what they can as they can. and uh, they've uh, expressed what they think will be the process on the, the NEB side. And we're still waiting to hear uh, what they're going to do about the, the part of the judgment on Indigenous consultation. Right. Uh, on the NEB side of things, was, was this essentially the only response the government could have at this point? That the NEB said, you know, you didn't review this. Or the judge said, rather, the NEB didn't review this. The judges said it, it needed to be reviewed. So the government has said, oh, OK, we'll, we'll go back and do that. Um, well, I mean, this is the only response that complies with the judgment um, directly, but they would have had a, a couple of other possible responses. Uh, this is obviously the one that they chose. Uh, they could have chosen to try to appeal this issue to the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, on the NEB issue, they could have passed a, a quick statutory amendment to say that they, they were not following uh, the interpretation adopted by this particular court. Uh, but in the, the balance of of considerations, they've obviously decided uh, to uh, to go with this uh, option, which is the one that follows what the uh, the court judgment said about how to read the statute. In terms of the timeline, um, you know, six months or so to to review this, and I guess the cabinet would have to take a few months to do its own deliberations. But does that seem reasonable? 
yeah, I mean, uh, I think some people uh, were thinking there could be a shorter timeline. This seems like a more realistic timeline uh, in terms of the time for the, the NEB to do its work. Uh, and then uh, there would be a, a period after that before the cabinet would make its decision. Uh, pieces of the Federal Court of Appeal judgment had referred to a, a very efficient process uh, and uh, as a possibility. And I think that was always a bit optimistic to think that it would be um, uh, really quick. Uh, but this is, uh, I think, probably realistic now. The question of meaningful consultation is uh, a much bigger question. And as you say, they chose not to announce that today. We don't know when that's going to begin. We don't know how long it's going to take. I suppose maybe even sitting here today, we, we don't have a clear understanding of, of what a successful version of that looks like. Um, or, or, I mean, is that fair? Is, is it clear, do you think, what, what the government needs to do at this point? Uh, I think uh, the court's judgment signals roughly what they need to do, but they clearly want to think about that very carefully. Uh, and on both of these, the risk is, uh, depending what exactly they do, they could yet face another uh, court challenge and we'll have a, an interesting merry-go-round. Um, so uh, I think they want to take the time to try to, uh, to get that right. It just would have been nice to see a, a full plan today, uh, but uh, if they uh, are taking some more time uh, to determine what exactly is required, I think one can read that from the judgment and from the, the jurisprudence uh, in terms of what basically the law requires, but it's how it's going to work in the circumstances and what's going to be practical to do to meet that. Uh, there's some thinking about that that they need to do. Uh, the New Democrats today, the federal New Democrats, that is, as I suppose Alberta's NDP would like me to point out, but the federal New Democrats today suggested that if if the federal government is still committed to this project, then we're going to end up back at square one, that, that they need to, to be open to the possibility that engaging in meaningful consultation will lead to the project being canceled. What does meaningful consultation look like if the government is determined to get this built? Is it still possible to have meaningful consultation? Uh, well, the government can certainly go in uh, feeling that it's supportive of the project, but um, in terms of meaningful consultation from a legal perspective, they do need to go in with an open mind on that uh, and uh, to considering uh, various options in light of what they hear in the consultation. Um, the court judgment signals that a key component of meaningful consultation is that they need to be responsive to what they hear in the course of the consultation. Now, that response could be cancelling the project. It could just be um, accommodating some issues raised, uh, and it could just be um, responding in some way and explaining that they heard issues raised and that they're not making any changes and giving a, a brief set of reasons as to why. And uh, what the uh, Federal Court of Appeal judgment of a, a couple of weeks back had uh, said effectively was that uh, the, uh, uh, the process in the latter part of 2016 didn't lead to responses on uh, some of the issues raised and uh, so the First Nations just didn't know uh, whether things they raised were even considered by the uh, federal cabinet and so they'll need to do something that that does consider them and shows they considered them. Uh, yeah, there, there have been a lot of um, 
I, I don't know if you call them ideas, but but there are those who seem to think that we've got some maybe some shortcuts here. Uh, some have suggested the notwithstanding clause, which I don't think would apply here. Others have suggested uh, Section 9210 uh, of the Constitution Act. I mean, is there any kind of get out of jail card here for the federal government to play where we can point to anything in the Constitution and, that says, look, we don't have to, to follow this ruling? Uh, so uh, it's not so much something that would be found in the Constitution as what legislative options they would have. As you've said, Section 33, uh, the notwithstanding clause, doesn't apply. It's a, a clause dealing with just certain sections of the Charter. Um, the question is what legislative responses the federal government could use if it were so minded to do that. Um, the uh, element that they've mentioned today on the NEB process, uh, the requirement from the court came because that's the way the court is interpreting the statute. The statute was written by Parliament in the first place. They could rewrite it if they chose to do that. So um, this element, um, they would have a different option um, if they chose to uh, to change the law. Things get much more complicated on the, uh, the duty to consult front uh, because in many respects that emerges from uh, determinations by the court based on the Constitution itself. So the legislative roots there are much more uh, uh, complicated if there are any available, uh, and that would require some very careful thought on if there's a, a route forward. So there isn't a simple route forward there. There would have been on this element that they've mentioned today, um, but they've uh, determined that, uh, that they're going to go with complying with the judgment instead of going that sort of route. Right. And does complying with the judgment necessarily preclude an appeal? Is it possible on the one hand to say we reject this ruling, we're going to appeal it, but in the meantime, we're also going to comply with it? It would be possible to do both at the same time. And uh, uh, I wasn't clear from today's announcement that they've ruled out appealing, um, but uh, certainly uh, in the meantime, they're complying with at least part of it. Yeah, that, that question was uh, you know, also left open today. Um, What's the value in appealing? I mean, there's obviously the hope that you can win where you'd previously lost, but would there be an option at least in getting some further clarity around some of this from the Supreme Court? Uh, I think that would actually be the main function of an appeal, uh, would be to try to get the matters of uh, principle sorted out uh, and gain some clarity on uh, uh, what the Supreme Court of Canada says is required in terms of, for example, meaningful consultation in these circumstances. Uh, there are uh, there are arguably some uh, differences, at least of nuance, in the approach uh, that the Federal Court of Appeal took in the Northern Gateway decision two years ago and this decision now as compared to what the Supreme Court of Canada did last year in uh, two cases called Chippewas of the Thames and Clyde River. And uh, it might might be that there would be valuable clarification to be gained with an appeal. Um, there are other things that could be done even too. Uh, a government could send a, a reference question to the Supreme Court of Canada if it just wants some uh, legal clarity on certain questions and it could do that then without reference to this specific case uh, but asking it to answer a legal question. Um, so there might be a couple of different ways of getting more guidance from the Supreme Court of Canada on the uh, the legal issues, uh, and there could be value in that. There's also the, the element of Bill C-69, which is intended to overhaul the regulatory process. And I think, you know, politically, the government has, on the one hand, defended the process that was used to to uh, approve this pipeline, but also tried to sell the notion that, you know, we didn't overhaul because we have a flawed process. 
If C-69 comes into effect in the interim here, does that add another layer of uncertainty perhaps? Uh, well, it adds some complexity, I think, on uh, future projects. Uh, the the usual path would be to uh, to grandparent uh, existing projects so that they're decided under uh, existing legal frameworks, uh, unless there's a specific decision to do otherwise. Uh, and so I, I don't think it would change anything in respect of this project. Uh, but C69, uh, I think, warrants a, an enormous amount of discussion uh, in terms of its potential future impacts on these types of projects uh, and on energy projects and other resource projects in Canada generally. Indeed. Uh, well, we'll see where things go from here. Uh, Professor Newman, appreciate the insight. As always, thanks so much for joining us here today. Sure. Thank you. All the best. Uh, Professor Dwight Newman at the uh, University of Saskatchewan, Canada Research Chair in Indigenous and Constitutional and International Law, also a Monk Senior Fellow in Constitutional Law with the Macdonald Laurier Institute. So his thoughts on what we heard and didn't hear today and where this all goes from here. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.